Welcome to Bygone Geek. Loading another awesome episode in 3, 2, 1, launch. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Come with me if you want to learn. All right, folks. Today we're time traveling again. But park the DeLorean, put down that hoverboard, because we're not here to save George and Lorraine McFly. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Because today, we're saving John Connor. All right, David, I am so pumped for today's episode. I feel like we've touched on this from time to time, just throughout different previous episodes that we've done. But today we're going to talk about Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Just like a pinnacle movie if you were a 90s kid. I'm really stoked as well. And I and I agree with you. Pinnacle movie of the 90s and even now. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to just... Folks, you can turn it off if you if you disagree. But it's still, if not, the best action movie ever made. Absolutely. And it's yeah. Arnold's best movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and dare I say, James Cameron's best movie. Uh, it's up there. It's definitely you know, up there. Yeah. I, as a kid, so I got to tell you something. <laughs> I, I'm going to, we're dedicating this to Terminator 2 and rightfully so, but my, I do have an original memory of Terminator 1 um, for the reason that it was the movie I was sent out of the room for. Yeah. There's dark. a specific scene. Oh yeah, well, that too. It is, yeah, it is yeah. much darker. You're totally right. But, and, and less cartoonish, but there is a adult scene there is. that young David was never allowed to see. Um, so, you know, when young David doesn't get kicked out of the sequel, it's like, okay, this yeah. movie's awesome. It, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, when I was a kid, those were the prepare to fast forward scenes <laughs> <laughs> that my dad would reference Spaceballs and that like whenever he knew an adult scene would be coming up, he would go prepare to fast forward. And one of my, either me and my sister would go fast forwarding, sir. And we had no idea. They were fast forwarding through all the really good parts. <laughs> we were fooled. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Terminator. The first Terminator, yeah, it not only had that that scene in it, but which is what, like maybe a 10 second scene? Like it's not like, I feel like as a kid, you fill in the blanks of like, what, what did I just fast forward through? And you wow, watch it as an adult, sorry, like, Mr. Sorry, Mr. Reese, for putting a timestamp on that scene. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm Uh, sorry. I need to send a formal apology. That's that's horrible. I call Um, it the making of John Connor scene. But yes, it it, it wasn't very long, but I I was sent out. Um, So I got to give another shout out to my uncle. Um, He was the one who... I just in my memory introduced me to like the Terminator franchise Mm -hmm. and... Terminator 2, it's so hard. I was trying to rack my brain on this because it wasn't, it didn't feel like a movie we owned, but it felt like my mom was okay with me watching it like at a, someone else's house. Okay. And I remember my uncle Ron having Terminator 2. And then I remember him not living, he lived in a different state at one time. We went to visit him. And I remember my mom saying, You can pick one movie to watch. And I got to sleep, I was sleep, uh, slept in the living room. So uh-huh. I like had the couch on it and he had yeah, the TV. Yeah. So I was like, I want to watch TV and go to sleep. Yeah. I picked Terminator 2. I mean, it was that special occasion, that golden movie for me as a kid. Yeah. Um, So when I think of that, those are some of my earliest memories. Like, it's got to be pretty special or awesome if you only get to choose one. Yeah. That was the one I would pick. Absolutely. What about you? I can't specifically remember the exact moment that I watched Terminator 2. I just know that Arnold Schwarzenegger was just... I was just glued to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, uh, there's something about him that I even, I can't even remember the first Arnold movie I saw. I just always knew who Arnold was as a kid. Like, he just, much like we said in the last episode, the you know, when we talked about wrestlers from back in the day, he was, he was the epitome of larger than life. Like, he was mm-hmm. just, and then to have that accent on top of it, too, it was just, he, and it, just his face and his hair, everything about that man is iconic. Like, and and so to see him be this kind of my pet Terminator for a young John Connor <laughs> is like, is super cool. Like what kids are going to gravitate towards having a bodyguard and your bodyguards Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Um, and yeah, I just feel like because of that, I just had this instant connection to Terminator and you're right. Like you said, it's like, I, it would be a movie I would have picked as a kid to watch on the living room floor like you did. And it's a movie I'll watch anytime now as an adult, just to, it just takes me right back to the nineties. But even when you watch it now, like remastered in 4k and stuff, it still holds up as a modern day film. It really, Absolutely. really does. It's astonishing yeah. how nothing in it feels dated. Even the, even the uh, practical effects and the visual effects don't look dated. It's just, it was one of a kind, absolute one of a kind. Is it fair to say that that was our generation's Dark Knight? Another sequel, but another yeah. just movie that to me was larger than life. I know this is like a sci-fi action movie and Dark Knight's a, I'm doing air quotes here, superhero movie. But to me, these two movies though, they were just more than that. Yes. Based on, yes, the scenes... Yes, the cinematography thing, but the the storyline and like um, even in the sci-fi action movie, both of those movies, especially Terminator Two, the heartstrings that were pulled on. Big, you time. know, you don't think yeah. that going yeah. into this Terminator Two until Dark Knight was the pinnacle sequel of all sequels. That it's just sure. like that's what everybody referenced, and that uh, I think the only other thing people would reference that we'll probably do a later episode on as well is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. But that was the third installment. But, you know, this was this is the sequel. This is the second one. And, you know, same with Dark Knight. Um, so, yeah, it, it it does. Like, I, I, I don't know anybody our age that doesn't say that, oh, yeah, Terminator 2 was just a massive part of my childhood. And and there I feel like everybody's trying to pinpoint, OK, when can I? When can I introduce my own child, to, you know, to it? I'm sure in your mind, you're like, when does Harper, when yeah. can she see Arnold's face <laughs> half ripped off? You know, when she, when can she watch the steel mill scene, you know? <laughs> I have to, yeah, I definitely had to sneakily watch this one in between naps and, and, yeah. the, and you know, late nights. Um, I thought you were going to say, just as a quick side note, you're totally right about, uh, you're, I have The Last Crusade in my notes too. Yeah. The other movie, and we'll do a whole series on these too, but I thought you're, the other sequel, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, these just larger than life uh, movies that brought you, you know, emotional stuff w within the action. When you watch T2, it has a beautiful story arc. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need a sequel. It doesn't. No, it it no. ends so beautifully and so so heartfelt. So yeah, it is kind of a shame that they kept trying to regenerate the the wealth of that franchise. But like this held a record for being the highest grossing uh, rated R action film of all time, up okay. until recent years. And because uh, back in the '90s, it made like half a billion dollars. Yeah, that's unheard of in the in the mid '90s. Like that's absolutely had... unheard of. A four hundred and thirty-eight percent increase between compared to Terminator. Yeah. In regards to revenue well, and growth, that's insane. Well, one of the craziest things is is now that you mentioned that, I, I was looking things up, and uh, you know the scene in Terminator Two where uh, Sarah Connor's having kind of her like fever dream of pushing John Connor on a swing. Yes. And then all of a sudden, the L.A. the the bomb drops on L.A. Just that scene. Just that scene combined with just like the other practical effects in the like, so all of the practical effects of Terminator 2 cost more than the entirety of the budget of Terminator 1. <laughs> so, just the visual effects department was what the whole budget of Terminator 1 was. Like, that's insane. But I think that that's why that's why it still holds up today is they spent yeah. a boatload of money. On on very modern new ways of doing computer graphics and and then doing practical things because I didn't know that that whole that whole LA scene is a miniature. The tallest building was three feet tall. Oh my like god! It was it was all miniature on a soundstage, and they ended up firing an air cannon straight down into the ground so it would create that blast effect. And then there were parts of the miniatures that they actually put like cornflakes and shredded wheat inside <laughs> of them. So that when they blew with the air cannon, it looked like they were just being vaporized, but Particles. they used cereal, yeah. like they use cereal, like as the practical effects. But it's just that, that scene. It's funny now that you, you mentioned with like Terminator 1, certain scenes you had to fast forward through. That scene when she's holding on to the fence and just gets vaporized. Yes. I remember watching screaming. that. Oh my God. Yeah. That horrified me as a kid. There's kids on that playground. Like it was yeah. dark. Yeah, it was super, dark super dark. But it, 
I mean, they did a good job of emphasizing that it's like, oh, wait, this is what we need to prevent. Like, so right. it made you adopt the, oh, wait, this is, you need to go shut down Skynet and, you know, Cyberdyne and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, every part of it was just brilliant. So young David too. Okay. All right. You did talk about Linda Hamilton. I'm going to say a couple of things that resonated. Well, uh, here I have in my notes, when you see Linda Hamilton in T2, that's not the same. Linda Hamilton is in T, T1. No. I mean, yeah. she is shredded. Yeah. She's just jacked and yeah. just an ass kicker, right? Yeah. Like, it's, that's not the same character. So she, I love her her growth. I did not even know this. And I tried, I rewatched it trying to figure out the difference. But um, when the T-1000 replicates himself as Sarah Connor, uh-huh. that's her twin sister in real life. It's crazy. I did not know that at all. Fooled us. Totally fooled us oh, for, for sure. you know for thirty some odd years. It still holds in twenty twenty two, and I think that that speaks volumes, especially given the. I guess oh, we will not talk about these, but the other iterations, how they don't hold up. They look no terrible. They do. I feel like they were dated the second they came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and even I think it's impressive too that when you rewatch Terminator One, being that they had a more of a shoestring budget and the the visual effects of Terminator Two cost more than all of it. Stan Winston, my goodness, Stan Winston Studios, who who created the Terminator, so created the endoskeleton, just I mean the chrome a chrome skeleton with red eyes, brilliant. Mm-hmm. absolutely terrifying but also like mm-hmm. human enough that i think it makes it extra chilling because it's it looks human but not human um yeah stan winston to do all of the practical effects in the first film where and and same in terminator 2 when they show the year 2029 and and you see the endoskeletons walking on the skulls and stuff like that yes those were full animatronic puppets Oh wow! Full animatronic puppets. Those were not CGI. They they that's, made it's isn't that's it crazy? even more terrifying. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, there's behind the scenes footage that they have where you know, like especially if they're filming just the upper half of the Terminator, that like you see the Terminator with the big plasma rifles, and and below the Terminator is like seven dudes, like with the this dolly cart pushing it around and trying to make it look realistic, like it's actually taking steps and stuff. Um, it just was so ahead of its time and still, you know, there's some things, like you were saying, there's certain things that instantly become, you knew it didn't look real from the get-go and so it didn't yeah. age well. But yeah, that the the whole T-800 endoskeleton was amazing. And then the visual effects of the T-1000 was absolutely mind-blowing. And it just like set set a foundation for future computer graphics was well, terminator 2 you told me something in an episode where we were talking about the t-1000 and how i was saying we were i think it was our villains episode where he, he robert patrick wanted even without the liquid um poly alloy like was terrifying like when he would get shotgun and stuff yeah but you told me they did a certain thing for that to make it as look it look as scary as they did yeah well because even with that they actually made these little things that they called flowers, that they were part of a squib system. And it's like, when you look up behind the scenes stuff, when people get shot in movies, those are squibs. They're like little air things that pop off. And normally they just shoot blood. And then it like pops your shirt open so it looks like realistic. This was the same mechanism, but they had this like foam material that they literally were able to squish in on itself and suck it back into uh, Robert Patrick's uniform. Wow. And so while Linda Hamilton, especially that scene when they're in the uh, the parking garage and he's running towards them, it, like when you see him when they're shooting and those little things are popping out, it, it's really popping out of his uniform and they're timing it with the gunfire all at the same time. And uh, it's just... Uh, it's funny because in this day and age, all of that would be CGI and you could yeah. tell. And it looks but, so lame. Yeah, and, and you yeah. would think that, I don't know what it is, you would think that Hollywood would look at something like Terminator 2 and be like, look, they did all of, the majority of that in camera in 1996. Right. Or what, 96 or 97. That like you would um, uh, 
like you would think that that in 2022 they would still be able to do it, but I don't know. I don't know why they don't. But it's int- before the movie buffs uh, criticize us or crucify us. Uh, you said 96, 97, which I got to ask because I'm looking it up. It was in theaters in 91, oh, and on DVD oh. in 98. Do you think you you're old, a little older than me, do you, old man burn? Do you <laughs> think uh, you saw it in theaters? No, I don't think so. I no, definitely would didn't because I have a It came out in 91 in theaters? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. So yeah, in my brain, I bet you I, I bet you I saw it in 95 and 96. So I, I probably rented it from the video store. Um, yeah, because that's nuts. I was six when that came out. So yeah, I, had, I didn't at all see that when it first came out. Yeah. 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 No, same. So, which I feel like I... I I have memories of of doing that, but no, definitely would have not. I I had a saw it first time on DVD. Um, yeah, sadly, the only Terminator film I saw in theaters was Terminator Three, and it was the last Terminator film I saw in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, and I vividly remember seeing it because <laughs> because of that reason. But uh, yeah, uh, that's nuts. Even more impressive though that ninety one. Which means it was probably because I did see something that they said that it took two years to film the whole production. So that movie technically, I would assume, would have started in 89. So to do that level in 89, like I was giving it more benefit of the doubt, thinking it was late 90s, but so much more impressive. It's even more crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right about the first one. I think the first one was just too. That's probably everyone's hesitation to do an R-rated movie because you're not going to get the draw. You know, that first one was just so dark. And and now you've got our guy. I don't know if Arnold's ever been a bad guy ever again since that. Uh, Maybe he has, but I can't recall where he was a true bat, that kind of bad guy. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I don't think he ever really was a villain after that, except... (laughs) Except for Batman and Robin. Um, but oh even in gosh, that, he was more yeah, right. of a, Mr. Freeze. He was more of just a hokey, you know, it wasn't the villain that is Terminator. It's like Mr. Yeah. Freeze is not, it's not Terminator. <laughs> um, but I think that's it. I think it would be the first Terminator and Batman and Robin that he was a, a villain. Yeah, I wonder if he felt like he might have been getting typecast in that first film. That mm. he's just, uh, you know, because he had, I think he had one line in the first one. Yeah. Like no. that was it. Um, and I think the only other lines he had is like he was mimicking somebody else on a phone call as a Terminator. Like oh. I think I think he called Sarah Connor as her roommate after he killed her. Okay. So that's not technically a line. <laughs> you know, it's just him moving his mouth. Um, but yeah, I almost wonder if that's why he uh, didn't do that again is that he wanted to show more you know, more of his uh, range. But weirdly, I, I, I was looking up because I was thinking... He didn't have a ton of lines really in Terminator 2 either. No, he didn't. Um, but, you know, I feel like in that whole John Connor teaching him things was really most of his dialogue and stuff. But I stumbled across this fact that was really crazy to me. And it said that given Arnold Schwarzenegger's $15 million salary for Terminator 2, he had a total of 700 words of dialogue, which is more than I thought. Uh, but yeah. still, seven hundred words is like most. I feel like if you're if you're the star of a movie, you have like thousands, like maybe tens right. of thousands of words. So if you take seven hundred words of dialogue uh, uh, with fifteen million dollars, he was paid twenty one thousand four hundred and twenty nine dollars per word. <laughs> and so, Austin La Vista baby cost him. <laughs> oh, he was paid eighty five thousand dollars for. But it's it's carried on through, you know, 30 years, you know, 40 years of, uh, you know, film history. So I guess he he, he deserves that. Uh, you know, <laughs> Mr. Schwarzenegger, you deserve every penny of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. Gosh, man. So he made a lot. It was like 70 grand too. right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a kid, too, one thing I want to... We talked about this in another episode, I think. And I... Oh gosh, I apologize. I don't know the composer, but we've talked about music and movies. Yeah. As a kid, like the the soundtrack, this is up there for me with the soundtracks of Jaws, Indiana Jones, Star Absolutely. Wars. I will never not hear the T2 audio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, both Seriously. The, dun, 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 and the, the, there's a part where it's almost like, not romantic. Yeah. That's not it's the right word. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, dun. Yeah. It's inspiring, right? It's it's funny. Like, I feel like I know this part of the episode will make my wife chuckle because 
It's a regular basis. I walk around the house and I hum that song. It's so catchy. <laughs> but I also, I feel like if I'm like try, like if I'm trying to do something sneaky or if we're watching something that there's a really good villain in, I'll I will audibly go da 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 because it is. It's very. You're right. Jaws like very yeah. the the base of it, and that it's it's one note. It's like yeah. da 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 da. Like it's just. It was so intimidating, and I feel like Arnold should permanently have that as just it, just that audio should be playing everywhere he walks. <laughs> like, Agreed. <laughs> uh, I feel like it should have been his stage entrance music when he was the California governor. <laughs> you know, he missed out on an opportunity. Whenever he had to deliver bad news. Yeah. But if, if not, if it was good news, then it'd have to be bad to the bone. Oh, right? yeah, for sure. Yeah, That's absolutely. what young David was singing and walking around in the 98-degree heat wearing leather pants and leather jackets. and you know. <laughs> I was going to ask you whether or not this movie uh, had you introduced leather pants in addition to your leather jacket. <laughs> now I know the answer. Uh, yeah. did, you have like a, did you have a purple T-shirt underneath of it, too? You had to complete the package? So call me crazy, okay? We and we're, we can talk. We've talked about Terminator toys too. I think they're they still are a huge part of our our just love of nostalgia of toys. I had every again every Terminator toy because they would make them that weren't even from the movie. Yeah, um, but you, they sold them. It was Arnold's square hair and his head yeah. on it had to have it. Yeah. We talked about a Terminator 2 toy that had a. It was a 15 inch toy and it was purple shirt. Yep. And a piece missing out of him. Yep. And his face was damaged. I've watched Terminator 2, man. Maybe I'm colorblind. He does not wear a purple shirt in the movies. In the, oh, in really? the latest iteration I watched. Oh, my goodness. He, it's all black oh. for starters because he's got the guy in the bar. Yeah. And then when he get, takes a little more damage, he has a, like a grayer shirt. That's a good point. Well, the funny thing is, is the reason why I'm looking up is that I have a Terminator 2. It's the 3D re-release that they did but a, the, it's still the original uh, image of him and it is it's like a grayish blue shirt it's not purple yeah. at all well, you're right maybe for the toy j- to capitalize on color and paint and be. attraction it could be but it's funny how the yeah what is that the uh, mandela effect <laughs> you know it's a, maybe that's what this is it was a conspiracy that it was purple all along um yeah you're probably right though that it's probably based on more visually appealing that they needed some color in it. Um, yeah. Maybe because yeah. you've got Arnold behind your back and I, he doesn't Dude. look like a purple shirt either. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. It's totally a grayish blue shirt. Yeah. 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 And that's that. Yeah. That's actually cast from the Stan Winston stuff. So that's as accurate as you can get of what he wore. So yeah, that's you're totally, wow. That's amazing that my child brain just inputted that, oh, his shirt was purple and that was part of, his uniform, you know? Yes. And I thought as I rewatched this movie, my child brain was like, oh, wait, I remember it a lot differently. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Like, it's just, it's crazy that effect that, that they uh, these movies had on us. Um, but so when as a kid, like, I did have leather stuff. I played, you know, that music, Bad of the Bone in My Head. Um, I rewatch. I probably did rewatch. Okay, here's fine. I probably fast forwarded the naked scenes and those, <laughs> you know, to get to the action scenes. But um, I rewatched that bar fight scene almost. Uh, there's that scene, and then it was a scene later we can talk about at the end. But like that bar fight scene as a kid was so yeah. cool. Yeah, when he puts out the cigar on his chest yes. to start the fight and he doesn't flinch, and he just the intensity that he grabs his hand. Like, you're like, oh God, you just, you just mess with the wrong naked man. (laughs) (laughs) I think he then takes a knife. He gets a knife in him. In the ribs. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Just, just crazy stuff. And then he finally gets decked out in all leather and watching this back as an adult, it had young David memories right over because the guy comes out with that shotgun that Arnold ends up using, I guess, most of the movie, if not all of it. And uh, he just snaps it out of his hand. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, takes his shades. Yeah. And then gets on that bike. And it's, you know, so that had Arnie, uh, Mr. Schwarzenegger, you already larger than life. But somehow yeah. James Cameron and you and this this character from the get go of this movie set the tone. Absolutely. You Absolutely. Know. Like, it, you're totally right. And I, I think that that's what's impressive, too. Because when you look back on the first one, he wore like this, like, uh, like a punk rocker's outfit. 
Yeah. Um, you know, kudos to James Cameron for some reason in the second one to give him like a uniform, like yes. something right out of the get go that you're just like, God, this guy just like is a force to be reckoned with. Every part of that introduction, like you were saying, was brilliant. But yeah, even the introduction of the T-1000 to uh, adopt uh, a cop, it's just brilliant, brilliant way to have the villain take on this serve and protect sort of role. Like yeah. I think in that story writing, it's so smart that like uh, that, like this, this hunter killer Terminator would, would disguise himself as something people think is safe. Like sure. that, him going around and asking, have you seen this boy is normal because right. he's a, he's, you know, he's a police officer. They introduced Robert Patrick so well, as much as they did w with Arnold. Like it was just, they were cast so perfectly, so perfectly together. Like you couldn't ask for a better pairing between the two of them. I agree a thousand percent. And I think that it's great to talk about Robert Patrick because here you've got, you know, Arnold decked out looking awesome. We see uh, I, this was another scene that I watched over and over, but kind of for a different reason. The mall scene. Yeah. When we finally get the first face off of the T. 800 and the T-1000. Mm -hmm. And again, you talk about brilliance. Young Dave is sitting there. He just watched his hero get his butt kicked. Uh, the T-1000 threw the T-800 around like he was a croissant. Yeah. Like it was like, what yeah. is happening right now? And yeah. it made, you want to talk about setting the tone? The T-1000 just became believable. But this, let's say it, sorry, Mr. Uh, Patrick, but the scrawny dude, yeah. not as big as Arnold, not yeah. even as cool looking. Yeah, he's in a cop uniform, but like he wasn't wearing the all leather and no. all that. No. But he tossed Arnold around like nothing. Yeah. And it was like, oh, Okay. Yeah. Here we and, go. And somehow they made that size difference still look compelling mm -hmm. and convincing that Robert Patrick could somehow do that. I don't know how they did that. And and I, like when I was looking up kind of like movie facts about this too, apparently when they did their fight scene in the steel mill, you know, it's a lot of hard edges and a lot of like just unforgiving surfaces, yeah. you know? That uh, they ended up having to kind of put faux like rubber slats and things like that. That it's such a dark room that you can't tell that they're there in the filming. But they had to like soften the edges because of how hard they were manhandling each other. Which, I need to call the person to do that because I want to do that to my house. <laughs> it would make baby proofing so much easier. Yeah, I just want to put that all around this house. <laughs> <laughs> but even like I think even in the practical effects of uh, that the the mall scene in that hallway. It really did look like they were putting each other through cinder block walls. Yeah, like and the it like through the drywall wall, and then right over into the cinder block one, throwing them through the shop window. Like it was just was so absolutely amazing, uh, and it just yeah, it immediately set the tone for for the whole film. It's like I could, like, and even Eddie, Ed, you know, young Eddie Furlong uh, as John Connor. This is his first film, his first mm -hmm. acting film. He did a great job of like, you know, depicting a kid that's like, could you imagine seeing those two guys at the end of a hallway making a beeline for you? Like he he really right. he convinced you that he was terrified and needed protected. So it it's cemented in my kid brain that it's just like, oh, who who better to protect this kid than Arnold Schwarzenegger? And I was in a hundred and ten percent the second See, after that. Maybe it was pure jealousy, cause like as a kid, I, I'm like you. All eyes were glued to Arnie. Yeah. Give props to John Con to Eddie Furlong as John Connor, because when I watched it back now, as, as years later, it's like he's not a, a annoying little kid. No. He, yeah. he, I feel like he holds his own. I do. Um, yeah. You know, which is tough to do. Yeah. Um, with when you've got three other adults who are capable of stealing the scenes as well. Well, Arnold yeah. for sure. You know. Well, and then for uh, him, for for Eddie Furlong to be able to convincingly lure out what we love about the Terminator. Yes, you know, thousand percent. To to have him like teaching him, you know, teaching him, you can't go around killing everybody. Right. <laughs> like I just feel like he had such a. I did. I did find out that because they filmed it over two years, his voice changed in those two years, oh. which is why he's kind of squawky in some areas and in other, other parts of the film, he's not is because he was going from adolescence to teenager. Um, and I, I saw something too, that like 
his he had grown considerably in those two years <laughs> that in later filming they actually had to like dig a hole for him to stand in so it maintained the height between him and Lin- Linda Hamilton so it still looked like mother son because he oh. was supposed to be ten for the whole film but Eddie Furlong even the second he was cast was thirteen. So like it's just you know any yeah. aging you would know that wait this he's not he doesn't look like a ten year old anymore like this this doesn't fit but uh, yeah I always like I could just hear his voice you can't just go around killing people <laughs> why, why? Or, oh gosh that was yeah. Keanu Reeves <laughs> why why how come I yeah, can't do one word for Arnold uh, why um, <laughs> I'm glad we're giving him his due props because you're right without that character and there would not be that heart heart strung yeah. moments that we talked about it would it yeah. would just be action and it wouldn't have resonated with us until this day I, no. that's my opinion you know? i i i totally agree and yeah I, I wish eddie furlong would have had a chance to be in future films i think he could have changed the tone of future films um I really wish that he was in Dark Fate, but he wasn't. And that's the last time I'll mention Dark Fate. <laughs> but like, there was an opportunity that was really, really missed there. But uh, yeah, even, you know, like you touched on Linda Hamilton a little bit earlier. She was, I loved this transition of in Terminator 1, she was a damsel in distress. Like she could, like Kyle Reese like tried to show her how to hold a gun and she was super uncomfortable with it. And like, and then she kind of had her pinnacle moment at the end of that spoiler alert folks, when she (laughs) crushes the first Terminator in that, uh, you know, the, the compress that, um, you know, I think she, she drops an MF or in there at the end of it. And, uh, but then you realize that you're just like, Oh wait, like she's, she's a badass. Like she's so to see. Yeah. Wasn't the very first scene in T2 when they show her, uh, isn't she doing pull-ups on her... strict pull-ups, Yeah, on her bed that flipped up. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. no kipping. Yeah, this is not CrossFit days. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the fact that she has like her her bed flipped up in her psych ward and is using a bed post leg and is just shredded. shredded. Like she just got so, so fit for it and... She was another one too, much like Robert Patrick and Arnold convincingly throwing each other around. Would she beat up some of those like uh, psych ward people? Oh yeah. My God. She could throw punches. Like she just like was so intense. The whole scene where she's like got that, the drainer fluid, uh, I think the Drano fluid that she takes out of a bottle. Yeah. She sticks it in the psychiatrist's neck. Like she was so terrifying. Like, but oh, like, I yeah. like... To me, that she was to the level of like Ripley in Alien. That, oh like, yeah, this female badass that was just like she deserves. I mean, she's yeah, she's up there with Sigourney Weaver as as Ripley, of to be. I feel like some of the first women in Hollywood to be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm not just gonna run around and somebody has to save me. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick ass. Like I'm yeah. gonna. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to fight. I'm going to stand up for myself. Like, and and Linda Hamilton did that leaps and bounds in this film. Well, and that story, that character knew the truth. She was like, yeah, I'm not in the psych ward. I didn't make this up. And that weirdo guy licked her cheek and all that. Like, I'm so glad she, I think she smacked him with like a broomstick. Shatters his nose. Yeah. Yeah. Loved that. Yeah. But I love her shift because she was in all white because of the patient uniform. And then when she finally, they escape and all that, all black. I'm here. And the glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And she's very hardened. You know, she yells at her son, like, you cannot risk your life. Like, she sacrificed everything for John. She's still a mom, though, but like you can tell right. there's a line still. Like, oh, yeah, you know, for sure. She's got a mission. It's the mission to protect John. And then later she realizes, you know what? Her mission should be to end, yeah. to not even let this start. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a, a really cool just story concept. Like uh, everyone always talks about that with like Thanos. Like why did, they even talk about in the movie? Like what I think Don Cheadle's character, uh, he's like, why don't we just go back when he's a baby and oh yeah, just, like yeah. choke him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I I agree, man. It's the Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor, her her whole story arc of just becoming just this other action hero. Yeah. Um, in this movie, watching her. Because uh, her arm gets injured by the T-1000, watching her one pump the shotgun at the end and yeah. shoot, and then one pump yeah. again and shoot. We just watched this 
giant man use a shotgun too. It, I felt there was a, like a quality there. Yeah. Like she held her you're right. own in these scenes. Well, and, yeah. And, and then even, yeah, you're 100% held her. She held her own. And I feel like in many scenes, she was the the coolest part of the scene. And I think that's what's brilliant in this film. I think the runtime of this, I, last I checked, was like two hours, six, two hours, seven minutes. So much storyline in there. And to be convinced of the intensity of Robert Patrick, of Arnold Schwarzenegger, of Linda Hamilton, for all of them to get their, their due on screen and to mm. be like, oh my God, these people are just tooth and... I mean, to have two characters tooth and nail protecting this child... And one that tooth and nail is just like, I'm outnumbered, but I'm going to keep coming. Like, yes, was just, it was a nonstop freight train just the whole time. Like it was just, it was so, it was so good. And and I feel like there are countless other scenes that I can think of that like, I remember just being so pivotal in my mind as a kid. I, like when, the, for example, when they go to Cyberdyne with, with Miles Dyson mm-hmm. and, and they just come in with all of the guns <laughs> I, I really do. Like, I feel like the, that scene to me is also why in the first Matrix movie, when they go into the oh, building right. and they have the duffel bags of guns and they're all wearing black, that was, that was a callback to Terminator 2. It oh, totally sure. was. Like, the, to go into this compound building and you don't know whether or not they're going to be able to succeed and they just bring all the guns. <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> Like Arnold shooting the minigun out the window and not oh, killing anybody yeah. somehow. I don't know how that's possible, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're firing off like 50,000 rounds and everybody's fine. I have to give due props to it. One more thing about Linda Hamilton, because could you just imagine you've, you've been in the psych ward, you've, all your memories are from that Terminator. Yeah. She's trying to escape and boom, out of the elevator, walks that Terminator again yeah. and her reaction Great and her scene. like, how, 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 no, my nightmare all over again. Yeah. And she sees her, her son's like, mom, it's okay. But yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Your nightmare all over again. Yeah. When she falls, it is crawling backwards yeah. on her hands and stuff. Yeah. She was horrified. And then I feel like she gets a microsecond of, no, he's, he's, he's here to save us. Come with me if you want to live sort of thing. And then they turn and see the T-1000 walk through the, the, bars. the steel bars. Yeah. Ah, oh, such a, yeah. That it, Now that I think about it, another pivotal hallway scene. Like, what's up with these, like, astonishing hallway scenes? So you get the mall <laughs> hallway scene, the hallway scene of the psych ward. It was just, yeah. And even, I think even the scene where, well, it's right after that. Yeah. When, when they go down into the parking garage and you see the T-1000 for the first time sprint mm-hmm. at the car yeah that was horrifying like he was so fast and i i looked up online and apparently he, uh, robert patrick trained himself mm-hmm. to sprint with his mouth closed because yeah. he realized that he's just like oh wait this advanced machine could just like pant out of his mouth that makes no sense so like as a human to sprint that fast and only breathe through your nose like talk about method acting but it 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 was it was horrifying. It really was. He ran so militant and robotic, and his arms were like you know just uh, like ice almost. Right, how he kept him so straight as he's running. Yeah, I love you, Tom Cruise, Mr. Cruise. I know you run a lot in your movies, but Robert Patrick started it. I think. I think know? so too, and, and I I feel like I even remember as a kid that like anytime I would sprint across the playground, <laughs> yeah, I would try to just Robert Patrick blade arm it, man. And, Robert uh, Patrick or Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. It's just, I feel like we could have an episode of this that's just like 10 hours long because it's just, there's so many elements of this film that are yeah. just, just, just when you I, think it can't get better, it gets better. Like Iconic moments. Yeah. You're right. It leveled up, it leveled up, it leveled up as the whole movie went on. I mean, the you know one of the best what I still say, think is like car chase scenes like we're on the bridge and Arnold's on his bike and he yeah. rescues uh, John Connor off his bike and the semi truck comes and dives off the bridge like dude these are moments if I hadn't seen this movie even ten years ago they are still in, in my brain. Well, the crazy um, thing is is isn't that you're right? Isn't that scene in the culvert that there? Isn't that immediately following the mall hallway scene? Yes. Like that's yeah. just. 
we transitioned from a fight scene that you're like, oh my God, this was crazy, right into an amazing chase. Like it was just incredible. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Incredible, and I think that's why I gave the analogy of this film was just kind of like a freight train that it just nothing was gonna stop it. And I I loved that they. Uh, it's just yeah, it made sense. It's like a movie called Terminator Two Judgment Day needs to be a freight train that is absolutely unstoppable. There's another thing too I was gonna say about uh, uh, Robert Patrick. Uh, there were times where he was really nice. Yeah, and he was. he chose not to kill. Yeah. But there were other times where he would just do his little finger thing yeah. right through their brain. Yeah. He like, I, I don't know if he caught that, but it's like, where where was that in his learning? I don't know. I just thought that was hilarious. Like, he didn't murder everyone. He no. he told a guy to get out of a helicopter. He could have, guess, I guess he could have killed him, but he didn't. Yeah. And then other times, uh, some guy... The guy in the highway scene at the end where his truck rolls over, he's like, hey, are you okay, man? And T-1000 just eyeball yeah. kills yeah. him. I'm like, what? He kills the mother and the the foster father so brutally right, <laughs> right there in the kitchen. Like, yeah, it's in. But again, I feel like that scene really cemented that the fact that he was able to transform between people. Yeah. That I didn't really know that that foster mom on the phone was was him. Until she, I think she transfers the phone to the other ear, and yep. the foster dad says something, and it's like something about the almost, dog. Yeah, and she almost looks irritated, and then just goes, and you don't yep. see what's on the other side until later, like that. Oh, so good, so right good. through the milk carton. <laughs> yeah, right through the milk carton, man. Uh, what a and horrible get, way to go. You get Arnold doing that voice again because he just got he does John Connor's voice and he's yeah. like, "Hey, how's Wolfie?" Which side note, I guess that's James Cameron's dog's name. Yeah. So yeah, I saw um, that. Yeah, but I, then yeah, what's Arnold say? He's like, "Your foster parents are dead." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we're like, okay, move on. <laughs> really helping that ten-year-old kid cope with things. Um, so here's something funny that I I had I wanted to kind of uh, talk about in this episode. So if uh, Terminator 2 didn't culminate the way that it culminated, Judgment Day was supposed to be August 29th of 1997 is what they kept referencing in that film. And so I wanted to look up any sort of facts about that day as to if Judgment Day actually happened, what movies would you be watching in the bunker? What was the top, you know, what was the top five songs of the era? So here's what's funny is no joke. This is not fake. On August 29th, 1997, Netflix was founded. And 1997? So, yeah. As, as a DVD mail-based company. Wow. Um, so poor Netflix died on the day it was born. <laughs> not a good day to start a business. So we never would have had Netflix. The uh, Some of the top songs were Quit Playing Games With My Heart from Backstreet Boys. The SB. So we would have had some BSB to listen to in our Apocalypse Bunker. Nice. Uh, Semi-Charged Life from Third Eye Blind was also oh. on the top 10. And uh, Two Become One from the Spice Girls. So we have okay. two, uh, get a boy band and a girl band and then kind of like a, a little bit more of an alternative rock band that's in there. But here's where the conspiracy gets a little bit deeper. This is something that like, I feel like we don't talk about a lot of uh, modern uh, references on this this podcast, but I feel like this has to be mentioned, is the top box office movies on that day. The first one is G.I. Jane. And oh. if you saw the Oscars <laughs> recently, yeah. we don't talk yep. about G.I. Jane. <laughs> But G.I. Jane. Come over there and slap you. Yeah. <laughs> but what's crazy is G.I. Jane was number one and Men in Black was actually number seven, oh. which is interesting. Yeah. And number four was Conspiracy Theory. So I find it with Mel Gibson and, and uh, oh. uh, Julia Roberts. So I find it it's a little interesting that you have G.I. Jane and a Will Smith movie and a movie called Conspiracy <laughs> Theory all at the same time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah they uh another one that i think number two was uh air force one good old harrison ford get off my plane, off my plane. <laughs> <laughs> we would have had some decent stuff august 29th 1997 hey luckily we made it past it <laughs> so i wanted to ask you we've talked about time travel i need you to help me with this okay We've died. We've talked about the Endgame loopholes, the movie Endgame. All that. Okay, so let me get this straight. Because John Connor goes, "I wish I could meet my dad." Young David 
didn't care for the time travel young they just want to see arnold and all the action but as i'm an adult i'm like okay so he goes you'll i want to see my dad arnold goes you will oh god it's keanu reeves again um, <laughs> but so is this an endless loop oh no i guess was john i guess john connor will never be once this movie ends and they destroy everything john connor that will never happen i guess but he'll never... If, how does he meet Kyle Reese if he never has a war? Yeah. This, how this, is he born? This is, yeah, this is the cyclical <laughs> nature that is time travel. Yeah, because like technically it would be. It would be just this infinite loop in order for it to work. But yeah, it goes to the... <laughs> It goes to like how we talked about in Back to the Future of what's considered a deviating timeline that's bad and you need to get rid of it. <laughs> and what's the real timeline? Um, because... Uh, yeah, even like it, it, it technically, like yeah, you're right. If if Judgment Day did end, then John Connor should get a future of a a kid that grows up, becomes a plumber someday, owns his own business, and doesn't save the world. <laughs> but know? he cannot be born if Kyle Reese doesn't go send back and right. Yes. And have the scene that I always got sent to a different room in. That's true. <laughs> so I don't get it. It's very true. And then at the same time, what's also confusing is that when you look at the first movie, is that before Kyle Reese goes back, John Connor already exists in the future, which means Sarah Connor had a, a night with somebody else that isn't Kyle mm-hmm. Reese. So wouldn't the future John Connor not actually be the same John Connor because it'd be different DNA? <laughs> like, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. I think Mari <laughs> needs to come and do a father paternity test. We need to figure <laughs> this out. Um, so I, had, I was like, oh man. But, you know, it's a wonderful movie. I will not, uh, you know, talk, the, the time travel works because uh, it was incredible. So um, if, if you could, uh, from the whole movie... If you could pick in your mind what what was the biggest scene that just really resonated with you as a kid? I don't know why. Okay, I know why. So I always go back to the it's got to be the end scene, yeah. but not the end end scene, but it's it's got to be there's something about your hero getting their butt kicked and then yeah. coming back. Like young David watched T1000 slam that metal barge type tool yeah into, well he first he traps arnold's arm yeah and makes sure and then arnold's got to rip his arm out tries to get back at the t1000 t1000 slams that barge into him over and over scrapes the side of his head his yeah. chest is damaged and then boom grabs that metal spear digs one through then digs it around and then out yeah. and then one more back in and you see like that lightning burst come out of yeah. the t800 and they're just sitting there. And the, that red eye you talked about, that iconic look fades. And Arnold's just like frozen. And then, you know, the T-1000 goes and tries to find Sarah Connor. I will never, ever, ever forget when Arnold, it's like allocate other power source or something. Yeah, yeah he and finds another battery or something. Yeah, <laughs> come, Which is kind of, a little dinky, but <laughs> <laughs> comes back online, pulls the spear through him, and that music plays. Yeah, and then he gets that that what what was that like a grenade launcher type gun or yeah. something like that yeah. a rifle like, that exploded bullets yeah yeah that yeah it was an old school grenade launcher that like yeah you had one round left in order to finish him off but even the fact that it's like even though he rebooted and came back online he the fact that I like that that he didn't walk up like he's so damaged that like he's on a yeah. gear. That yeah. lifts him and rotates him up. That like he's that weak, he's that beat up. Um, yep. Was just and doesn't now that yeah doesn't he once he blows up the T one thousand and the T one thousand falls into the the molten metal, doesn't John ask him if he's okay and he says I need a vacation. I need a vacation. <laughs> yeah, he's just like walking like a hunchback, dragging his <laughs> leg and stuff. You're right that that was convincing as a kid that like. There is something about seeing the hero uh, almost lose uh, or yeah. or even actually thinking that they did lose. The fact that seeing his eye power down um, and seeing, again, going back to phenomenal writing and story arc too, to, like you felt bad that you're just like, oh no, you can't like stop. You can't kill this Terminator. He's like becoming more human. Like he's connected to John. Like so... Yeah, when he's dragging himself across that grate with one arm, and you could hear all of his mechanisms, like you, they never sound like robots. So right. until then, it's just like to hear his mechanisms and to see him dragging himself. Um, 
and just, yeah, the T-1000 and Robert Patrick so intensely just knowing, okay, here it is. This is the final one. I'm going to hit his power source. I didn't go to film school or anything like that. I just have my, my thoughts on this. I think it speaks volumes when any movie that involves all that stuff we've just talked about, time travel, this and that, but most importantly, AI. Yeah. And they make you forget. We knew Arnold's not a human. Right. We know he doesn't feel pain. Dude, he's taken a thousand shots to the chest. Like, yeah. He's ha- but you're right. It felt like, hey, you're hurting him. Yeah. Yeah. Do not hurt my hero. Do not no. hurt Arnold. <laughs> no know? disassemble. <laughs> like, did you ever see Short Circuit? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. You're just expecting him to, no disassemble Arnold. Uh, Arnold is right. alive. <laughs> <laughs> it, it made us feel for him. And here we are. He's, we know he's not a human. Yeah, but we, yeah, you know, it, and that's credit to um, to Eddie Furlong char- character as well. Absolutely, and and I do, you know, I I love that scene as well. I love the the, the psych ward. I love the mall scene. I love the Cyberdyne scenes. Like even when they infiltrate My, uh, Miles Dyson's house, and you think that Linda Hamilton's going to kill him, like. Eh, Every scene is so good, but I do feel like as a kid, yeah, that final sequence after all is said and done and you have Arnold saying he can't self-terminate and then the just the simple line of dialogue of I know now why you cry. Yeah. Like, oh my God, such beautiful dialogue. Like, I uh, call me cheesy like, but my goodness, like, I I think that's one of the best lines in cinematic history. It really yeah. is. He wipes <laughs> like, the tear. Yeah, he wipes but, the tear know. with his hand. I mean, you see the machine parts through the glove that's been so yeah. beat up. Like, wipes the tear. I know now why you cry, but I can never do that. Like, so, it gives me chills to this day. Gets me misty to this day. That's so I, good. I finished the movie earlier and I still teared up seeing yeah. that, seeing this movie so many times, but it still gets you in different ways. And I think in this rewatch, I watched it more through John Connor's eyes and I put in my notes an, a loss after loss yeah. after loss. He just lost, he always wanted to meet his dad. Yeah. Now he's losing another father figure that he bonded with and almost like a big brother, but then protector slash dad way, all three yeah. elements, right? But, you know, as a kid, young David was like, yeah, you can still go with him. Rewatching his arms off. Yeah. There's no coming back no, there's not. from that. Yeah. And uh, that character, Arnold's character knows too, like one final processor, one final yeah. chip, he says, and that's the mission accomplished. And I don't know if this was improv. I don't know if it was whatever. The thumbs up. Ah. <sighs> You so don't weird. get better than just something as a kid and even as an adult. But when he yeah. does it. Yeah, the final, yeah, the transition down. Yeah. Something so simple. Yeah. Maybe the, well, maybe movies should, because it's just like you don't have to. Go, I know this movie's like over the top, but in a good way. But little yeah. moments like that in an action movie. Yeah. Just incredible. It is. And, and I, I saw something when we were putting together this episode that said that there were some people who thought, uh, like when they filmed that, that that was cheesy and that it should have just been his face submerging in and that's all that you saw. Who's, who said that? Bill that Murray? That there were different... <laughs> <laughs> was it Bill Murray? No, it was Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> that's who said it. <laughs> Do you like him now? <laughs> that's a good um, take. Mr. Freeze, a Chris That's a good pairing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um but no, whoever decided that that was the proper way to do it, and I saw something, I don't know if it was a film critic or somebody that just brought it up so uh, poignantly that they said that that's the gesture John taught him, was a thumbs up. And for him oh, to give him this yeah. final thumbs up as I learned from you and I know what this means and this is the final thing that I'm giving you, even making it even more meaningful because he didn't, a Terminator doesn't know that gesture but right. he was taught it by a human that he cared about. Ah, like it's, it's, it's so stupid that it chokes me up. It's but beautiful. It's beautiful. You're right. Like more movies should have such simple emotions and simple connections to their characters that it's just like, you don't have to have like, you know, a million lines of dialogue or 
super in-depth storyline of, you know, or, or, you know, you just, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be as simple and as emotional as, as I know now why you cry and a, and a thumbs up that just like resonates with you. And I, I think for me, that is my pinnacle scene is the, is that, and, and that, that, that thumbs up. And the fact that now Arnold too, like when Arnold gives a thumbs up, that's, that's the the cream of the crop when it comes to the, that's the Mount Rushmore of right. thumbs up when is when Arnold and Arnold does it uh, because of because of that film it's it's amazing I'll never get over the lines um, you and I have talked about just like fatherhood and things like that what hearing Sarah Connor say this person will never hurt him will never yeah. drink and hit him and never do this, that yeah. it's also though at the same time. He won't fully learn emotions. Right. He won't fully... He'll be a protector. Yeah. But John will need more than that. Yes. And you yeah. saw the glimpses of leadership in this character, in John Connor's character, and that the no killing yeah. and all that. Right. But that played a pivotal role, I think, in how John will be a protector of others. Like, he needed that. But it, it, at the same time, he's not a... He can't be your dad. Yeah. And that's yeah. tough to grasp. And yet they still were capable of giving you emotion with a black and white sort of character, which is, I mean, kudos to Arnold. I mean, I, I think for Arnold to express so much with nothing, like the fact right. that he's not himself, like some of the best part of the films where people are getting emotional, both characters are emotional. Both people are crying. Both people yeah. are hurt. But like, you experienced his hurt through, well, now that I think about it, that's probably why they beat him up so much is that we just did watch a sequence where, like I said, that you're just like, stop hurting him. Why are yeah. you hurting him? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just, there's, it's hard not to give every single person who did this film the credit that they deserve, whether it was, yeah, the, the, the music, uh, whether it was the, the set design, the people who did like Stan Winston doing the, the endoskeleton. Cause if one of those balls would have been dropped, it would have greatly impacted the film. Just yeah. one of them, just one. It's right. crazy. Which I think speaks volumes to it's almost per if, if it, it's almost perfect, if not perfect. Yeah. I say it, you know, the dark Knight. this movie, I didn't see a false note anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know. I absolutely agree. Much like I think people back in the day being like, you know, Gone with the Wind was the best movie of all time. No, Terminator 2. <laughs> like, for <laughs> me, it's Terminator 2. Like, you can't, it can't be beat. It can't be beat. Um, and, and I think that that's why, uh, like, we've slowly touched on throughout the episode, and it's kind of the Voldemort of this episode, of not talking about three you know, salvation, oh uh, Genesis, dark fate, all that sort of stuff is that this was perfect and they should yeah. have left it. They should have let it lie. And we should have, the last time we ever saw Arnold to pick Terminator was the thumbs up. That's it. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was perfect. These are words we're using to describe a sci-fi action movie. Yeah. I've, you know, Starring I like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Record, yeah. 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 I, I really think that, yeah, if you... <laughs> If you could find anybody who doesn't know this film, uh, which I don't, I just maybe there's some Gen Z youngsters out there <laughs> that I'm just, just going to shake my head at because they, sadly there probably are that like would be like, what? Like, why, why are you making such a big deal about this? It, it's just, it's hard not to. Maybe, maybe once my niece turns 10, so like in a couple of years, maybe I'll introduce her to it. Um, yeah. But like, it is something that y you look forward to passing it on to that next generation and you hope that they have th that this, that the perfection of this film continues to just reignite generation after generation after generation and that, you know, it never dies, you know, that it's just like, because it's a beautiful story. It really is. And, and yeah, it just, it does make you feel a little goofy that you're like, yeah, it's a rated R sci-fi movie from 1991 starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And we're comparing it to the best films in cinematic history. It's, your goal um, with your niece, though, is to like say when it like when it ends. Okay, that's all they did. There's yep. not other ones after this. Didn't no. make any more. <laughs> <laughs> they don't exist. We erased those timelines. Yeah, right. <laughs> those were variants. You know, for all the Loki viewers, those are <laughs> variants. We hunted them down and we erased them. <laughs> they don't <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs>
Um, I just, uh, I think now I'm going to, okay, here, oh man, it might be a late night. I think I am going to throw on T3, see how far I get, and then might have to just wash that taste out of my mouth with another rewatch of T2. Why yeah, not? I, I can tell you right now, this movie's different. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, so you will definitely palate cleanse going back to Terminator 2. I, I call it now. <laughs> I look forward to it. Uh, I want to say thanks to everyone for, for listening. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Elvis? <laughs> oh, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> We're going to keep that in. We're not editing that one out. That's um, good. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we'll be back for next week's episode. So until the next time you see us or hear us, uh, be sure to live your life with just a little bit of whimsy. Baby. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to Bygone Geek. Please rate and review our podcast and follow us on Instagram at Bygone Geek. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin.